previously on the Warm Honey Podcast. This may come to a sh- as a shock to most of the people in our Marvel fan group. I have never seen a Captain America movie all the way through. Do you have any idea what they get? What the, <laughs> what they got Captain America out of at the beginning of Avengers? He was in a bind. Um, for sure. Was he in like some kind of problem, or was he? What is this? Where we unfreeze him? If you unfroze a man from like the like World War Two, wouldn't he be like a horrible racist? <laughs> I know that he has a very special friend named Bucky. Hey there, and welcome to the Warm Honey Podcast. It's a podcast where we find our one true pairing in media only one of us has seen. We've talked about what to expect from Captain America, but before we get down to that for real, this is just Tobias talking now. I really dropped the ball W slash R slash T audio quality on this one. It might get rough to go through, so consider yourself quality warned. It's only looking way up from here on out, I can promise you that. With that out of the way, let's get real about Captain America. Hail Hydra! One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. So are you two? You? Don't do anything stupid until I get back. How can I? Taking all the stupid with you. You here with a mission, sir? Yeah, welcome to our... Probably our first episode of uh, the Warm Honey Podcast. We don't know that yet because it's so far into the future. But uh, at any rate, uh, I am Tobias Sutard, hailing from Germany, or Gremony as we say. And with me is Alison Stahl from uh, New Orleans. Hi, Alison. Hello. How's it going? It's going very great so far. It's late in the evening. Um, so um, there's about, I think, six hours of total uh, available hours per week that we can record because of time zone difference and uh, uh, and other constraints uh, from our daily life. Um, so it's very late where I live. It's um, Currently, it's, we're recording at uh, 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. And you have a lot of uh, hours <laughs> in your day left. Yes. I. It's 3 p.m. my time. Um, I actually just got back from general election. We have uh, an election happening in the United States today. Um, for, or at least several states have, have runoffs. Um, so I just got back from doing my civic duty. So that might make things a little bit uh, interesting because... Before we started recording, not really felt it <laughs> because the day for me is long. I have I, I have a toddler to contend with, and basically I'm 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 done at this at this at uh, this time. The good thing is uh, once you get off the couch, uh, it's it's all gone, and uh, I feel like a, a newborn, like a new man. <laughs> I mean, I feel you a little bit because yesterday was our company retreat, and as we all know, I work in marketing, um, which means. Your normal work days are filled with booze, is what that means. <laughs> yes, but this was a special day, um, so it was especially boozy. So I am I'm on the coffee train right now, uh, nursing a little bit of a hangover. Oh, uh, I'm feeling you there. Uh, I, fe- I felt that today as well, because um, I've had some friends over yesterday, and um, um, I did two horrible things. The first thing is I drank about six pints of beer or something like that. 
That'll do it. Please remember, I, I was on Solo Dad detail today. <laughs> uh, the other is, well, we, we ordered in burgers, and it, those were amazing. But when they left at, uh, at midnight, I was still hungry and rewatching Rogue One. And guess what I did? I ordered pizza. <laughs> wow, you did double dinner. I did. I did. And not only double dinner, but double gross dinner in a, in a manner of speaking. It was, uh, it was double, quite something. Double heavy dinner. Um, wow. Let, let me just say, um, I was not feeling life in general. <laughs> um, so you have actually watched a lot of uh, Captain America over the last few days. Um, you've really been going at it. Um, so I expect copious the result of copious notes, which I have already also taken. Um, but before we do that, um, let's maybe back up a bit and uh, go to the before times, the, the, the time in your life, the, the, I think the capstone to the awkwardly long part of your life that has been Captain America, the movie for you. Yes, I was sadly without any Captain America viewing. I was actually surprised that the, the film opens with the only thing that I really knew about Captain America, which was that he he is un he is frozen caveman lawyer. What is it? My God. Base, give me a line to the colonel. 3 a.m., sir. I don't care what time it is. This one's waited long enough. <laughs> he gets unfrozen several times. Um, and we get to see that at, at, at the jump. I was surprised that that's the kind of bookending device for the movie itself. So it's Captain America First Avenger. Um, did this come after Iron Man or before Iron Man? After. So Iron Man was the very first uh, movie in what we now know as the MCU. And Captain America is basically the end of the spooling up to the Avengers movie. So this is one year before the Avengers movie. Uh, this is, this movie came out in 2011, and it basically sets up. It's, it's, a, it's a one part of the setup for the Avengers movie. So one part is the Thor movie, which came out, I think, one year before that, and why that is important, we'll see in a bit. Right. We start in the present, and then we flash back twice. First to uh, Hugo Weaving being evil um, <laughs> and uh, coming for the Tesseract, uh, which I was surprised to see so early in the movie, um, I thought it was interesting that we don't really open with a Captain America reveal. We don't go straight into Steve Rogers and his story. We start with Red Skull, uh, and he's going in uh, to bulldoze some... Where were we? In Norway? Norway, 1942. A Norwegian castle where the Tesseract is being held. Um, it's the Norwegian castle of uh, the Frey family, I believe, because uh, this is Walter Frey in here. <laughs> I was, uh, I was certain he was going to uh, red wedding uh, Agent Smith here and that's it. <laughs> or Agent Schmidt. I, I'm, I'm, calling, I'm, I'm calling him Agent Schmidt. Because that's actually, uh, Johann Schmidt is his name in his thing. Yeah, is he Dr. Schmidt? Or is he just Johann Schmidt? I think he's Obersturmbaumführer Assays. But I'm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, well, I, I was, this is where we start with some strong... Lord of the Rings vibes, which became a theme throughout both of my watchings of this movie. Um, because you see uh, the the tree kind of carved into the door, which has a very, like, Tolkien-esque, and of course, you know, Tolkien took 
the inspiration for some of his imagery from Norse mythology, so that makes sense. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got Elrond there. Elrond's coming to get the Tesseract. I was like, gosh, these things are, these are happening. There's, this would be a theme that I would connect through almost every act of the movie. As we keep talking, I will, I will point out all of, all of my Lord of the Rings geekiness as we go through Captain America. I had no idea there would be so many actors from that film franchise, first of all, in this movie, but that thematically, uh, it would be very similar uh, in, in a very surprising way. Ah, I'm, I'm excited to hear these bits because it's all stuff that I missed. <laughs> so it's going to be so great. <laughs> to me, by the way, he's firmly in the Matrix territory because this is probably um, uh, a socialization thing, but I have seen the Matrix many, many times and the uh, and it's just uh, Hugo Weaving will forever be uh, H. Smith to me. That's even more so because um, I followed through on um, my announcement that I'll be watching this movie in, in the German dub and um, the German voice actor, he, he is definitely going for the, for the Agent Smith vibe. Interesting, yeah. I was wondering if the, if the dub matched up. One thing that I will note, the German accents in this movie are hilariously comical and over the top. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> we'll get into that later, but... Um... Basically, um, from my watch, from my uh, from my watch this time, I have no idea what you're talking about. There are no German <laughs> accents in this movie. I have no idea what you mean. Um, I I found myself thinking about Red Skull, and we'll get to this a bit later after we uh, talk about the next step in our in our narrative journey in Act One when we finally get to see uh, little baby uh, Steve Rogers before pre pre serum Rogers. Don't do anything stupid until I get back. How can I? Taking all the stupid with you. This is amazing. This is the most amazing special effects I have seen ever, I think. It's truly impressive, and, and I was impressed with how well it holds up now. Because we all know that the pace of special effects is, is you know, staggering. To see that effect hold up as well as it does, I mean, it, there are some times where he looks like he has a little bit of a bobblehead, and it's a, it's a little it's it's a little distracting at some points. The one thing that I thought was interesting is that they didn't change his voice very much, um, and I I would have thought it would have been a bit meeker. It, it Chris Evans's voice coming out of that little tiny bobblehead body is is a little strange um but i think he sells it uh especially once he's after the serum and he's all greased up uh and 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 bulky uh i think he he sells it by having kind of more of a commanding presence but tiny steve rogers kind of reminds me of that incel meme it must needs be remarked that the skull of the chad exhibiteth a brow ridge most pronounced whereas the skull of the virgin is most inadequate in this regard it all comes back to the skulls guys um <laughs> maybe maybe incels are all hydra's fault <laughs> it could be as we find out later <laughs> I would. I am fully on board for this headcanon. It plays really nice into the characterization because what we see here right now is that right away is that he tries to um, the, the opposite thing of what basically all men uh, who uh, 
were in a draft uh, trying to do is like he tries to get into the military. That's not what you do. Right. He lies consistently. Yeah. Yeah. He lies. He tries, I think, five times to get into the military. But every time he gets denied because he has many medical conditions. And uh, one of them is asthma. Uh, and the other one, I think, is um, a severe case of not even lifting bro aritis. <laughs> he does not lift bro at all. No. no. I, I don't think he could. He barely can lift his head. It looks laborious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, can you, can you maybe hold my head for a second? It's just, <laughs> it's just, just it's too heavy, heavy right now. No. Um, but I do, so I, I saw the exact moment in this movie where a thousand ships were born and it's when Bucky comes to save him in that alleyway. And I was like, I get it. I'm on board. I'm with the ship. I'm here. I totally understand this. This is an epic bromance for all time. (laughs) And we'll get, we'll get to my issues because this movie has like a touch of what I call the not gaze. (laughs) <laughs> because that connection is so strong, they had to, like, mitigate it somehow. Um, but I, I totally understand that ship now after seeing this film. <laughs> it makes 100% sense to me. So let's back up a bit, maybe, because the characterization here, I think, is really strong and really efficient. And it's one of the things that uh, this movie does throughout with a lot of characters. True. Um, that you introduce them and they characterize them right away in a very efficient and very elegant manner. And uh, with... Steve Rogers here, it's that um, we get um, by these little little vignettes, uh, two little vignettes that we actually have back-to-back here. The one is that he tries to get drafted again and is denied again because, like like you said, um, a severe case of not uh, even lifting bro aritis. <laughs> um, and then he's in a movie theater um, and he basically uh, gives a heckler a, a what's-it-for for disrespecting the troops, in essence, because that is something he believes in. Right. Then he gets his ass handed to him and Bucky saves the day. I think what what was interesting is I really wish that we spent more time with Steve before we go straight into um, setting up this world and setting up how it works. I think one thing that I would have liked and one thing that I think becomes apparent at the end of the movie is that you don't really need the bookends. I, I don't think the bookends are, are super necessary other than, you know, setting up the first Avengers movie. Um, yeah. But I don't think, I don't even think that's necessary. I would have rather them spent more time with Steve, maybe at home or like a, a little bit more about kind of his day to day life um, to get a bigger, a little bit more of a hold on that character. I do agree. I think the scenes that they do include are efficient I wanted more, though, because I feel like later in the movie, this becomes Steve Rogers as a character becomes a problem later in the movie um, because he's just he's just Steve Rogers, perfect human. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just roided up uh, mm-hmm. uh, later on. But we'll we'll move forward. Uh, you know, we're still in act one. We've got a we've got a long way to go. Chris Evans tells everything. Yeah. Um, he um, I'm buying this character wholesale. Yeah. There's an emotional truth to him that um, that is immediately apparent. And I think it's even more impressive because we know that real life Chris Evans is more like Captain America <laughs> in real life every day. So it's to me even even more impressive that he would be able to pull off that kind of role um, with the help of a few special effects since he is so 
I mean, let's let's face it. Chris Evans has been touched by the gods. Hail Hydra! Hang glider. We have to go back to the super secret lair of Johann Schmidt, and it I, I just screams Doctor Evil like mountain lair. Oh yeah. I got some strong Pinky in the Brain vibes from Johann <laughs> and his his little dumpy scientist man. One is a genius, the other's insane. Uh, it's it's perfect. I, it was just like running through my head the entire time. In this analogy, uh, the doc, Doctor Doc Weasel here is, uh, is 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 brain, right? Yes, he's he's got to be the brain because uh, even though I would say Red Skull is is smarter than Pinky, um, he's clearly insane. Oh yeah, he um, is. So he he's got to be our Pinky in this situation. <laughs> So uh, they've they've got the MacGuffin, which is the tes- Tesseract. We've got to have a MacGuffin, and we've got to put it in the MacGuffinator. Let me read my notes to you. Hugo Weaving and his dog Weasel strap the Tesseract into the MacGuffinotron 3000. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have, we have to have that in there. It's a, it's a thing that gets the plot going. We don't think about it too much and how it works. We're, it's just gonna it's gonna do things for us. We're excited. It's the blue of magic powerful MacGuffin that you know we all know that Marvel movies love a blue MacGuffin. There was a Volkswagen ad back in two thousand or something like that when I think the fifth Volkswagen Golf launched and they so basically the campaign was Blau macht glücklich and it means blue makes you happy. Blaues Licht. This is exactly what happened in this scene. <laughs> nice. Yep. Blue makes them very happy, it turns out. Um, they are very excited. But I was I was waiting just any moment. I was like, they're gonna just like put their heads back and start maniacally laughing, like oh, <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for that scene in Austin Powers where everyone's like doing their evil laugh. <laughs> I was I was kind of expecting it uh, things to go horribly wrong. Right. Right in the scene, um, because because he um, because Hugo Weaving wants to um, wants to right. turn it up to eleven basically, and Dark Weasel doesn't. And I would have expected him to turn into the Red Skull at this particular point in the movie. Ah. I was waiting for that too, and it was kind of a surprise that, that that's not how this story goes. Maybe it would have been too... too. I don't know. I mean, I mean it would have been very cliched if they had. It's, it's kind of cool they didn't. Uh, yeah, but they, they fall into another cliche later with that reveal. He's a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> Yoinks! <laughs> Yeah, I I actually I actually dislike this scene because there's nothing going on here. Uh, except for except for Hail Hydra, which is um really on the nose. Hang glider. <laughs> it really does sound like hang glider. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the thing I 
every time someone does the um the hang glider in this in this movie, I just can't. It's it's an aerobics move, isn't it? <laughs> it just it looks like that. Oh, the other thing is that those those the the Hydra uh, uniforms to me look like they were designed by the gimp in the basement in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I'm like, what leather daddy designed all this stuff? (laughs) Well, something that says leather daddy. Oh, is there such a thing? Hey, gang. Mind if I squeeze in here for a moment? Oh, it's very the whole Hydra is like at the epitome of fetish fashion. I have to say they are just like working it. They've got a lot of leather, a lot of zippers, like weird eye-closing things. And of course, we have to have our evil skull tentacle symbol of Hydra to mimic that of uh, that of our, our, our Nazi counterparts. What do you think are the odds of um, the secret Hydra lab being located at the Burkhine Club in Berlin? It's one of the most famous clubs in the world right now. It's a basically an old ass mm-hmm. big ass bunker, and it's the techno. I mean, Berlin has a lot of techno clubs people want to go to, but it's the Berlin techno club you go to when you're in Berlin, or not go to because the bumper. There's a very high chance, great chance that the bumper might just send you away into packing. It, in essence. It's a very exclusive club. It's exclusive in terms of uh, lookism and snobism, I think. And the interesting thing is this is one of these clubs where you have a high chance of getting in if you're gay. Mm. Or if you look gay. Berlin techno club culture is interesting. Um, <laughs> for one, um, for one, it's um, very fluid in its expression of gender and is very fluid into... Let me put it that way. It's uh, very fluid in terms of what it thinks is still making out on the dance floor. A very permissive environment. Yes, very, very, very much. Um, Sounds like a fun time. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, I have not been into one of these clubs, but I am aware of what goes, goes on in there. Well, if Agent Schmidt is, uh, is certainly, is, he'll be in a long line, a long history of gay villains. Um, and he even says later on that he no longer fits the Führer's uh, definition of Aryan purity. I mean, we we think he's referring to his red scullyness, but he could be referring to his flaming fetishism. We don't know. I think I think Hitler has unfollowed him on Instagram. <laughs> I think he's unsubscribed, for sure. Oh uh, yeah, basically yeah. I think his. I also think his his peddling of uh, of. Uh, Blue glowing uh, protein milkshake supplements did help. <laughs> it got a little too Alex Jonesy. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but the before and after, but the before and after shots on on Hugo Weaving are kind of impressive. So that's that's what sets him and Alex Jones apart. Right. The thing that I don't get about Hydra. What is Hydra's mission? Like, what is their goal, other than? World domination, which is like as a as a motive, not the most compelling. 
Yeah, that does not seem to be any ideological core to that, isn't it? Because I mean, on the one hand, fascism is kind of fluid in that because uh, right. any ide- ideology, any content ideology, be it anti-Semitism or any kind of xenophobia, is merely tacked on. So um, the ultimate ideology of fascism is to project strength, and I, I think Hydra is that. Uh, it's fascism stripped to its to its core. Definitely. I, well, and I think. I guess I wanted more of a, a stronger narrative. Like, okay, I know Nazis are here for, for racial purity and for, like, a, a certain type of human being to exist and the uh, ascendance of a, quote-unquote, master race. I get that. Hydra eventually branches off from this ideology and wants... <laughs> what? I'm left at a at a loss other than uh, kind of the Magneto argument, which is that uh, Johann Schmidt has, in becoming Red Skull, has surpassed humanity in some way. Well, for one thing, I think he has suppressed the evilness of uh, of of the Nazis, which is kind of a feat. So, I, I mean, the the idea of um, of uh, I, I think what he's feeling at his heart is, no, you know, Nazis just aren't fascist enough for me anymore. They're just not doing it for me. <laughs> They're a little too weak for me. I want more fascism. They they only want to eliminate Jews, and that's just not enough for me anymore. It's just not doing it anymore. It's not enough. Let's get rid of all humanity. Yeah, just just uh, turn a few select select guys into uh, into. Übermenschen and uh, be, be, be done with it. <laughs> this is really, by the way, this is really the movie where I can just, you know, drop a few German words here, there. Not even trying to make them sound English or fit into my normal sentence, just dropping them. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the best movie I could have started out watching, watching in German. There's some things coming that are just safe. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think that's one of the, one of the weaker parts for me is is just uh, the the lack of uh, motive I think for for Hydra or it, it just doesn't seem like they spend a whole lot of time on it. Not that we need to because just visually alone we know from the get go they're the baddies. Have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? <laughs> In another sense, I get it. Like um, if you're like a Korean Nazi or something like that and um, there's a point where you see an opportunity to um, grab onto power and uh, just twist just twist these ideologies of the Nazis which is projecting toward an Übermensch and uh, a Herrenrasse a master race um, and things like that. At some point um, these things become um, meaningless I guess in a way that makes you just twist him into something unrecognizable and kind of pointless. So I, I kind of get it in a way. Um, it doesn't mean that I think there's clear motivation for Schmidt, because I agree with you, there isn't. But to me, it kind of makes sense. And also, I just love that twist in a way, because um, the thing about about Schmidt and the Red Skull is um, he's such a good villain, because you know, Nazis just weren't evil enough for him. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, and so one thing that, as we're talking about this, it makes a lot of sense for the style of movie we're going for. Like, this is, uh, we're kind of hearkening back to the propaganda mm -hmm. days of when Captain America was first created. So it makes sense that he's just pure evil. And, and that's his deal. You know, we don't really need much more than that in terms of who we, we're supposed to like and who we're not supposed to like. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. I think this movie is very smart in the little ways that it tries to characterize Steve Rogers. Because it, it really doesn't want to bog down everything. They know that the action of the movie starts when Steve becomes Captain America. So you got to get to that relatively quickly. I was actually surprised how quickly that happened. All of a sudden, Stanley Tucci's here. And he's like, you know what? I, I see that Steve's got some grit here. He's got... We get this great line that Steve says. Um, Stanley Tucci's character, who's a German scientist, uh, asks Steve, why do you want to go to war? Do you want to kill That's Nazis? That's a great line. It's awesome. I just don't like bullies. Oh, Steve Rogers, perfect human. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, again, you buy it. I just bought it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, and of course, because, you know, Chris Evans is so charismatic. You're like, of course, Angel Face Man. You're adorable. <laughs> Captain Angel Face. Captain Angel Face, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the character of, uh, of Stanley Tucci's character here is interesting. I didn't uh, not, um, note his name, but um, that's maybe not a good look to, to say as a German, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. He has resting Jewish face, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, we went there. <laughs> He's a shorthand for Jewish scientist, definitely. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Definitely. Yeah, so he basically uh, he signs him up into the military. He cheats him into the military because he sees, he sees the kind of material that he wants in uh in Steve Rogers that he thinks is the right material for we don't know yet. We switched a little bit back and forth between um what happened uh at um at Agent Schmidt's uh Berkheim Club and what happened uh with um with Captain Angel Face. Um because he gets to go to boot camp it, it he doesn't do well. No. So he's there with with, with all these other the potentials uh, to get the the Übermenschings. This is also the introduction of Agent Carter, who I love. <laughs> and it's so she good. Opened, the first yes. time we are introduced to her, she kicks a man in the balls. <laughs> she punches someone. Yeah. Or does she? She punches him in the face. But it's still it's it's a wonderful moment. She gets talked down to and sexualized, and her response is just abject violence, and I love it. Uh, she really didn't want to do that. It's not just stone-cold badassery. It's, um, she's defending herself, and she doesn't really want to. No. She's also asserting authority in the only way that these men will understand. Yeah, and Hayley Atwell projects that, and it's awesome. Hayley Atwell is doing a bang-up job at uh, portraying this character. She and uh, not really a first for this movie, she establishes what and who Agent Carter is right away. In the first instance, we see her 
And uh, it's only deserved she got a show for that. Atwell's just like acting circles around people, which I love. Um, it's really, really, really putting uh, her A-game on, and I absolutely love it. We, we're treated to a training montage. Um, and during this montage, one, we, we pause briefly for a flag retrieval mission. It's such a good scene. Um, but it also, it also gives me problems. So it, during, during the scene, we see all of the recruits are told the first person to get the, uh, to the top of the flagpole, take the flag down, instead of, you know, running back to the base, they can ride in the car with Agent Carter, which is supposed to be kind of the icing on the cake, right? Um, and nobody's been able to do this in the history of the boot camp. All of these men are trying to eagerly get up to the top of the pole. It's just not happening. So they all decide to give up, except for Steve Rogers, who decides to pull the pin out from the bottom so that the pole falls down. He picks up the flag, chucks it away, and gets in the car. <laughs> so good. I love it. Brains over brawn. Yeah, it's a great way to establish that he's that he's also not that he's not only awesome and um, an angel in, in scrawny human form, which is about to change the scrawny human form at least. Uh, but he's also smart as hell. I like that, and I wish we had more follow through with that because I I feel like um, we get this really good example of Steve Rogers as a good problem solver. I feel like there's not a lot a lot backing that up, but maybe we get that in future movies, so I'll, I'll, I'll let that one go. We have one more important scene to talk about in the training montage, which is uh, the Steve Rogers throwing himself on a grenade. <laughs> a fake grenade, but as a test of his metal. Uh, a fake grenade, no less, but he doesn't know that. So um, there's Tommy Lee Jones is also in this movie, and he's killing it. He's killing it. And he, he, so Tommy Lee Jones, the only reason you have Tommy Lee Jones in a movie is just he can, so he can look like he is totally over everything all the time. Like he is sick of your shit. And that is just like his resting face is just sick of your shit. <laughs> um, resting sick of your shit face. Yeah. So he's, he's here and he's from the get go, just sick of Steve, Steve Rogers shit. And he's also sick of Stanley Tucci's shit because Stanley Tucci Ha is a complete and utter Steve Rogers stan and just <laughs> loves this kid and wants him to be the candidate for his next experiment. So they have an argument over this uh, and Tommy Lee Jones is not on board. He's like, this scrawny kid can't do anything. Why would we choose him? He's not a soldier. Clearly a weakling. Doesn't make sense to me. And Stanley Tucci throws out a fake grenade. Everyone starts scattering. Uh, thinking that it's a it's a real grenade and Steve Rogers little itty bitty Steve Rogers sweet angel baby <laughs> that sweet sweet cinnamon roll he jumps <laughs> on that grenade he says get away oh my god I love it so much I was like oh my heart he cradles the grenade oh so sweet and I think this is the moment so one thing, although I will say this movie does have a touch of the not gaze, one thing I did like is that I do think that, while I don't think it's fully earned the romance between um, Agent Carter and Steve Rogers, I think this is one of the moments that like she kind of falls in love with him a little bit. Because you see, she sees this, and it's 
like, she doesn't really care about the physicality of it. Um, so I like that there's follow through. You know, it's not just, you know, after he's Captain America, we have to shoehorn this romance in. Although it does feel at times a little shoehorned. We'll get to the fondue moment. But yeah, I mean, I, I like that there is build up. It's it's not unearned. It's it's there. I I just don't know if I need it because I'm now a Stucky Stan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these portmanteaus are fun. But yeah, this is the thing that that confirms that Steve Rogers is is going to be the candidate for this program, and we get another callback. Yeah, but it, it's, that, 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 let me get let me just. Stay with um, with Adrian Carter for a little bit because this is this thing they do over and over again. They think of making these little mm, reaction yes. shots, these little. We keep coming back to her. There's other little shots that come. These little reaction shots that 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 establish things. You just need to cut back to her for one second reacting to this, and you have some some amount of earning the romance. That is good filmmaking right there. Definitely, and I think it's also really good acting um, because she doesn't have to say very much. It's mm -hmm. it's all in the face. You know mm -hmm. exactly what's going on there. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, kudos kudos to her. So that settles it. Steve Rogers is getting the the Ubermenching. He's he's gonna get the Ubermenching, and so we have this adorable little scene where Stanley Tucci sits Cap down. And you say it in the in the American way. So basically, a Ubermensch is someone who always gives five stars, right? Uh... Yeah, I guess. I don't really know. I've, I don't really use that word very often. <laughs> it's menching while you were. <laughs> it's being the, the menchiest mensch. <laughs> You're the menchiest. The men <laughs> Jesus is arriving in Honda Accord. <laughs> um, but no, we get this adorable scene. And this is, again, I was like, I'm telling you, this this movie is essentially Lord of the Rings retold with Cap. Because the reason that they pick Steve, as Stanley essentially says, is that they didn't want, he didn't want somebody that had a lot of power. So Steve's superpower is exactly that he has no power, much like Frodo and the ring. You know, it's like worst case scenario, if Gandalf gets the ring, he turns into a horrible monster. But I mean, if you get the ring, Frodo, I mean, the worst thing that could happen, you might be a golem. Like that's that's all that's gonna happen. I think uh, I think the the, the realistic case is uh, he just eats scones all day. <laughs> but the thing is, um, this is also I think um, Lord of the Rings is probably the movie that has the case of the not gaze because Jesus Christ, this is just a little little tangent here, but. There's no stronger bromance in cinema history, I think, than uh, than Frodo and Samwise Gamgee. These are yeah, and why do we got a shoehorn? We got a shoehorn Rose in there, just again for the not gays, right? To be like, it, it, he's really not that gay. Like it's fine. <laughs> like, can't we just like enjoy the bromance, guys? Like, do we really? They're like, oh, we're gonna lose the straight audience quick, quick. Get a girl in here. It's too much. Too many dicks on the dance floor. Hurry up! <laughs> <laughs> I think he's. Um, is, this is just another case uh, of the bi guy uh, resettling into the straight uh, default. <laughs> it's sad, right? Really. Yeah, it's sad. it's sad. 
he gets the Übermenschung, and um, this is one of the it's 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 one of these events, right, where there's big wigs from uh, from the military and politics there, and boom. Steve Rogers, perfect human, is fully formed. Captain America is here, guys. And he is a sight to behold. Yep, he's Captain Angel Beefcake. Angel Beefcake, that sweet, sweet cinnamon roll. <laughs> but what's so adorable about him... <laughs> what's so adorable about him is that, like, his personality is unchanged, especially in the beginning. Like, he's still, like, profusely apologizing and be like, oh, sorry... Um, and he's like this big beefy man cake now, and it's absolutely adorable. I love it so much. So, uh, all hell breaks loose, though, because, uh, Thor and Oakenshield, Richard Armitage, he is, uh, here to steal some of the serum, and he kills the doctor, which surprised me. But I guess it makes sense, because, uh, we can't have, we can only have one Captain America, and if we had this technology, we'd have, like, a shit billion of them. Which was the original idea. Right, to make like a, a an evil army. But anyway, he runs away and uh, as our sweet cinnamon roll is, is cradling Stanley Tucci in his arms, Stanley Tucci reaches out and touches his heart. And I was like, oh, oh, my heart. Oh, so sad. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's no time to mourn for Dr. Stanley Tucci because... Uh, Steve Rogers has to go superhero it up and try and get Richard Armitage. Um, and oh boy, that's a, that's quite a chase scene um, for Richard Armitage. And uh, there there is a child that is thrown into some water and a submarine. And eventually Cap gets our man. But as is, you know, I mean, I was completely unsurprised. We all know that if you are uh, evil and you are part of an evil organization that you have to have a fake tooth that's full of cyanide to uh, kind of self-destruct. Well, to be fair, the Nazis, Nazis invented that. The Nazis actually did have that. Which is great. It's brilliant. Um, and it's used maybe a little too much, but in this movie, it makes sense. Yeah. And before he, Richard Armitage dies, uh, he gives us another Hail Hydra. Hang! Glider! Says that, you know, you could cut off Cut off one head and a new one will grow in its place. We're we're always here. That's such a corny line. <laughs> can cut off one head and then we'll grow another. <laughs> well, that's I mean they it literally is like Doctor Evil. Like we're we're so cliche. It's like Ooh. they're like not really playing this subtly. <laughs> no, not at all. Hydra Hydra's not subtle, guys. No. <laughs> we head back to figure out kind of do a post-mortem on, on what just happened basically tommy lee jones is like well uh without the doctor we're not gonna be able to replicate this serum for probably years and i only got one of you so uh agent carter howard we're we're heading out to find out where these Hydra people are. But, uh, Cap, you, uh, you're useless to me. We're gonna stick you in the lab and we'll study you to see if it'll help us make this serum. Cap gets another offer, which is a, a nice little nod to Captain America's origination as war propaganda. Uh, and he becomes a propagandist. But before we can segue straight into that, we have to go back to the super secret evil layer. 
We have to go back to Pinky and the Brain because they're cooking up something. Uh, but it turns out that the Nazis are not happy with Hydra. They have not. They haven't produced any guns, any weapons, um, and they think that that Schmidt over here is uh, he's gone cuckoo bananas because he believes in magic. And here's where we get to test out uh, the evil MacGuffin machine, which vaporizes people on contact. It turns out uh, with a very cool blue vaporizing effect. You know, hashtag hot take here. In a way. Um... There's an alternate universe where you could say that Agent Schmidt is actually the, the good guy in this movie because he's the only one who could not be. I think you nailed it on the head. Maybe we should be pro-Hydra. Hang glider! <laughs> think about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this is just an inside job gone horribly wrong. I mean, it's true. I, I mean, we don't see a single Nazi killed except for by Hydra, so... Yeah. I mean, but then again, we've got that evil skull squid that tells us that, I mean, they are the baddies. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean we know um, historically that skulls might be terrifying uh, that you're the baddie. Um, might have to think about it a little <laughs> bit, though. Maybe talk to, talk to somebody about it. Yeah, it might signify other things as well, other than being the baddies, but... I just can't think of anything good about a skull. What about pure Aryan skull shape? <laughs> Even that is more usually depicted with the skin still on. Ah. I think we might have to err on the side of caution. Right. So I, I have followed through on my promise to watch this movie in German. That's just in the German dub. I was in Germany. I teleconferenced Tobias. 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 Because that's how Germans watch um, foreign movies, basically. We watch a lot of foreign movies, obviously, and we all watch them stuff. Or used to before streaming and DVDs came. There's some very weird things about them. Not all of them are going to be relevant in, uh, in, in this movie, but this, there are two scenes that, we are right, that we're talking about right now that are back-to-back displaying the weird stuff. In the, in the Nazi-punching, Nazi Nazi-killing scene, they're doing something interesting, um, that a lot of German dubs do is when they don't really know if the, if it's a good idea to translate something. And the general consensus over the last 20 years has been to err on the very far side of caution. So just let, let it sink in. Let's just listen to what this scene sounds like in German. Dem Führer zufolge, wie hat er sich ausgedrückt, ist der Red Skull lange genug verhätschelt worden. It's like all German, 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 German. Red Skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what it is. And it makes zero sense. I mean, I get where they're coming from because I think the Red Skull is very established in the mythology of Captain America. He's like the big bad for the entire original run. Do they translate Captain America? Is it is it like Captain is in German and then America is... Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, they, they say Captain America. Um, ah. But it's, there's no reason to to um, to to name him that way in this movie because spoiler alert he does not survive this movie. Right. Um, and the name Red Skull is not something that is. This is the only time time in the whole movie that someone says Red Skull. So other than um, being um, throwing a bone to to diehard comic book fans, there's no reason to not translate that. Right. 
none at all. Because you can just say, um, I mean, you could use the word, but you could just say, you can just say, um, der Führer hat genug vom roten Toten schädigt. And, and you're done with it. And it's the word. Same, just, same thing. The actual sentence thing. just in German. Yeah. Uh, and that's, but that's a very weird thing that German movies do. I think mostly, mostly some earlier movies, like um, the very first, the dub of the very first Star Wars movie in 1997. That was a weird one. I'm not gonna. I'm not sure if this even stays in the in the whole edit, but I'm I'm going to do a tangent anyway. Um, so the word emperor is weird. Uh, it's just a king, but bigger, basically. Um, and that's what they tra- just they just translate. They say Kaiser, which is emperor in German. Um, but I think they shied away from doing that because um. The problem is if you're going to go with that, what the emperor rules over, or the Kaiser rules over, is a Reich. Ah. So that's hashtag problematic. <laughs> right. They kind of shied away. This is all from the era that lasted very long, where um, every kind of reference to um, to to the the Nazi era was uh, was verboten. Yeah, scrubbed. I would imagine. Even German evilness was dropped from Hollywood movies. So um, try talking to a German about Hans Gruber. You can't because Hans Gruber doesn't exist. Oh, the bad guy in Die Hard and is not German, not in the German version of this movie. What? Yeah. What is he? Just a guy. He's just a guy. <laughs> what? I just had my mind blown. That was a. <laughs> I don't even get why they did that. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. There was a really big craze on, on English bone words in the 90s, and it got so over the top, and the early odds that the basically stopped. Mm. Um, I know France has, like, specific rules about this. Like, This is why French youth media goes all in, all over the top with uh, English bone words. <laughs> German German youth media does that too, but these uh, these um, magazine for for teenagers they are insane. <laughs> insane. They, I I don't know I don't know who's supposed to kids with that, the hip lingo. Oh yeah, <laughs> very hip. Yeah, but I think um, it went so overboard in the late nineties and early aughts that people realized how stupid it actually is because um, Germans tend to overestimate how just tend to overestimate their proficiency in English. So they tend to think, I don't have to look that up. I know what that means. Mm. Um, and that tends to... That has mixed results. With <laughs> I would imagine. Like, there was an ad um, back in the arts, and I think this was peak loan word. Uh, peak invented loan word, I have to say. Um, where they... Um, they had backpacks. Mm-hmm. Um, which in itself has a German loan word in English. I mean, if we're talking about rucksack, mm-hmm. the German word is rucksack. This is just a German word. Yeah. Um, went with body bag. No, no, <laughs> no. It's, That's not it's good. It's a bag wearing your body. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it's the bag you wear in your body, you, obviously. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Inconceivable! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's unfortunate. 
It truly was. I th- and I think I think that particular instance was um peak loanword. Peak loanword is not something that um that the translator for Captain America has heard about yet because it's far from the weirdest thing that happens in this movie because one of the weirdest things comes next. Captain America becomes a propaganda icon for the war effort. Specifically for selling war bonds um and and doing kind of a song and dance for uh, various various towns across the United States selling war bonds. Listen to what the song and dance sounds like in the German dub of the movie. Nicht jeder von uns kann einen Strand erstürmen oder einen Panzer fahren, aber mitkämpfen kann dennoch jeder von uns. Kriegsanleihen der Serie E. Jede, die sie kaufen, ist eine Kugel im Lauf der Waffe ihres besten Freundes. Interesting. So they didn't translate the song at all. They just translated the interstitials, which is a weird juxtaposition to have. <laughs> the juxtaposition of those two things together feels so wrong. It's super wrong. I literally did a double take when I watched that. <laughs> it feels it feels like uh, two propaganda systems had like a clusterfuck baby. <laughs> and it, it feels so wrong on so many levels. You're like, wait, this doesn't sound or feel right at all. But we have a hard cut in this scene from fireworks, American flags, 50 to 100 showgirls, Cap holding a motorcycle above his head, smash cut to he's on, you know, a, a tour of the troops trying to put on this show again. Uh, and unlike the actual Captain America in our universe that was used as cheap propaganda and was generally loved by American troops, um, and that's how he raised, he, you know, came to popularity, people are not thrilled that Cap is here. The particular troop that uh that cap visits um is five miles from the front line and and they've been through quite a lot and they're not here for the song and dance um and he's he's treated to uh tomatoes to the face which is another wonderful cliche um uh, it starts a cascade of cliches in this movie the whole segue um from the propaganda to him being at the front lines I think it's all very organic, and even him meeting, um, meeting, uh, reuniting with uh, with Agent Carter while uh, scribbling emo things into his note notebook. Um, so that's all very organic. I think she says that the 107th um, has been caught in an ambush and uh, mostly killed, and that uh, that's how he learns, or he learns that Bucky might be. Might be dead or in danger. He's got to go save his boyfriend, and I'm here for it. <laughs> he immediately uh, goes on a goes on a solo mission with the help of Agent Carter. This is where the the Captain America at, or Steve Rogers as uh, like a good problem solver or like a smart guy kind of starts to fall apart for me um, because he kind of like barrels his way into this facility and he takes down a couple of Hydra guards on the way. Um, and the whole time I'm waiting for him to do the standard thing. I mean, all of them are wearing their gib masks, so, like, you wouldn't know who's who. Um, I'm waiting for him to steal a uniform. And he literally has a shield with the American flag on it. 
It is like the most inconspicuous, it's just the, the most conspicuous thing I've ever seen. This is before he gets the official shield. So he's still got his like playmates shield from like the show. And he still has his little dinky shield that is just like a beacon of like, please shoot me. How did you take down Captain America? We shot him in the legs because his shield is the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Cap, think with your head. Ditch the shield. It's not like it's important because it's not vibranium at this point. But we we meet our we meet our ragtag crew of prisoners that uh, Cap Cap is going to to save. He releases a lot of them, so now he's got like you know other people to help him out. But we know the main reason Cap's here is for one man. I, 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 I don't, I think it's a little more than friendship. The minute, the minute that Cap and Bucky see each other, Bucky looks haunted. Like he's been like tortured, experimented on. I don't know what's going on with Bucky, but my heart breaks. It's right around like a minute, or no, an hour and four minutes into this movie, I am officially a Stucky stan. I'm here for it. They lock eyes and I'm just like, I get it. The chemistry is there. I can see fan fiction just like overflowing. Just there's so much in that look and that bromance and that embrace. He's like carrying poor Bucky who's weak and, and sad. And we're trying to get out of this place. <laughs> Meanwhile, Red Skull's like, well, Looks like uh, the prisoners are taking over and uh, uh, time to just like nuke the place. Let's just, let's just get rid of it. We finally get the Scooby-Doo villain reveal. Um, you know, so uh, Johann Schmidt takes off the mask. mask. Yeah, it's not, it's not um, a creative nickname as one would think. It's pretty on the nose, I'd say. Or, or... Lack, lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 what you did there. What you did there, I see it. But yeah, uh, we, we find out that uh, Red Skull took a, an earlier version of the serum and it made him eviler uh, and, and gave him the, the Red Skull appearance. He took a level of Nazi in TV shows, parlance. There's a lot of fire going on. There's like a... The, the catwalk, I think, kind of, like, does this, like, boat kind of, like, seg segmenting thing. Uh, Brain in... Dr. Brain in the back, like, pushes a button and it pulls them apart. So we don't get to really see Red Skull and, and Cap go at it. Uh, but now, Bucky and, and Steve, they gotta, they gotta get out of here. And everything is exploding around them. Uh, there is a, a very tense scene where Bucky has to, like walk across a railing that's like about to fall and we all come out of this victorious cap returns with a whole bunch of prisoners all alive much to the chagrin of tommy lee jones who is uh angry but also recognizes the accomplishment that has happened yeah i think it's um not only recognizing the accomplishment he thinks this is truly a good thing and it, i don't think he's grumpy about it he, he's He's just, he just, he's just the kind of guy who just can't show it. 
Right. He's too he's too stoically masculine. Can't he can't mm-hmm. let those feelings show. But he's a good guy. He's he's a good guy deep down. He just believes in in manly men. So we get this uh, new scene. Now we've got to figure out we are only halfway through the movie at this point and I am astonished. Like I looked at the time code and I was just like what we have another hour? <laughs> like what? We've already done so much in this movie, but no, we've got to find the next layer for Red Skull because we got to go after Red Skull, right? And, and this is this is kind of the thing where I admire the movie for its simplicity because it's not in the in the age of double, triple, quadruple Batman gambits where the villain gets captured and then not, and what the hell? Um, this is right. he's just evil. He has this evil facilities all over Europe, and he's gonna launch his Tesseract blue guns at at America, I guess. And that's it. He's just evil. He wants to blow up the world, and Captain America is not having it. And that's amazing. And it's not even like he wants to blow up the world. He just kind of wants to conquer it. Um, and it, the the I guess the the escalation into the third act is not like. Oh my god, Doomsday Device, which I appreciate. Um, as so many other movies try to top each other, you know, with the Doomsday Device after Doomsday Device. Um, this is more, there's not really a ticking time bomb. It's just we got to get to Red Skull eventually. We got to get rid of him. Um, so we talk about the plans, about how we're going to go about that. They, we have several different Hydra bases we got to hit before. We find the one where Red Skull is hiding. Um, and we are treated to one of my most hated cliches in any film ever. And it is um, the romantic miscommunication or misinterpretation um, where Natalie Dormer like kind of forces herself onto Steve and Agent Carter catches them. And it's like this, oh, well, I see that you were making out with that other girl and now we have to do the whole like you misunderstood the underlings oh, i just i've that plot line to me is so overused and it is so tiresome and it's used simply to shoehorn conflict where there isn't any it's one of the very of, of the very very few instances in the movie where that is actual chaff you don't need that yeah uh, you don't need it it's we're, we're already pushing, you know, this movie's going to be two hours. We didn't really need this. And it, it, it doesn't, like, come back. There isn't, like, a... There, there's nothing to do with it. It's a, it's a useless scene. Um, and it also, like, pivots women into, like, this role of being, like, a seductress or something. I just don't like it. I hate it. I hate that storyline. If I never have to see it again in any film ever, I will be happy for the rest of my life. It is played out and it's dumb. It's kind of fun in, in hindsight, though, in one particular way. It's that um, as a modern TV watcher, um, you get to say, man, Captain America, I have seen Game of Thrones and you are missing out, man. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You just got Marjorie Tyrell right there. But then we are treated to a montage of Captain America smashing Hydra for what feels like too long to me. Um, this is where the movie starts to kind of lose me and I start to get a little bored. Um, because it's just like, it literally, it literally is like an eight minute montage of just 
We smashed Hydra again and again and again and again and again. Once the origin story is complete, it doesn't really know what to do. There are a few fun things happening, though. Right. They are abducting uh, Dr. Brain from their evil train. Oh, yes. I think they mostly do this to set up the, the sequel because Bucky apparently dies here. Oh, my heart was so sad. <laughs> oh, poor Bucky. And you just, you can see the anguish on, on uh, Cap's face. Oh, lost his best friend. I'm so sad. My poor, poor sweet guy. baby. <laughs> oh, this is like, okay. I was like, the movie got me back, you know, for, for a few minutes. Cause I was like, oh, oh. It's also really video gamey in, in this part because yeah, they're they're getting onto like a moving train, right? There's there's guys with double mini guns and later there's flamethrowers and things. So the soldiers get increasingly video gamey because there there is a video game that does this kind of thing. It's, uh, the, the the modern Wolfenstein games are pretty much like that. Oh, it's also setting up that they that they that they're capturing uh, Doctor Brain. Oh yeah, the the interrogation scene. They, they succeed in that, and Dr. Brain. And this is a fun scene. I mean, apart from the from the basic mistrust that Dr. Brain has for all this and how Tommy Lee Jones plays him. And uh, there's a little, there's, uh, I think, my favorite of the fun little bits they uh, they have in this movie, uh, of the instant characterization moments they have in this movie. So um, Dr. Brain enters the interrogation room, and there's a shot where um, a faucet is in focus. Ah, uh, yeah. And Dr. Brain is seen looking at that faucet. And it's such that, that is such a great shot because you kind of know as a German evil scientist, he has to think that they're gassing him. Right. And this is exactly what the scene plays at. And it establishes that. And so it's so silly. It's just a look at the faucet. It's nothing more. And you, you know all you need to know about the character. And it's so great. This, this is maybe my favorite, favorite piece of uh, of instant characterization they do in this movie. I think it's good too, and I like that scene a lot. Um, I think it sets everything up very nicely. What Tommy Jones' character does, he is really great. Yeah, he basically pretends. He basically pretends. No, he doesn't pretend. He basically says, um, "Yeah, we sent coded communication to headquarters that you communicated with us." Uh, on all fronts and uh, very willingly. Oh, I sure as hell hope hope that um, that Red Skull didn't intercept that. That that would be terrible. Oh, that would be so sad for you. So we leverage Doctor Brain uh, to figure out where where we're supposed to be going for Red Skull. So uh, yeah, Cap Cap goes to Hydra's HQ and uh, immediately gets captured, <laughs> but. The thing that I don't really understand is why don't they just kill him? Like, they keep him alive and they bring him to Red Skull for a speech. Which I get, from, you know, thematically and, and from a, a plot standpoint. But, like, why? Like, there should be a reason why. I guess, like, is it is it to talk Cap into, like, going dark side? Like, we're, we're above human beings now. It might. Um, I think it would make sense because, uh, in essence, Captain America... Even if Red Scott broke with 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 the Nazis, I think he's still 
firmly rooted in the in their ideology and I think he believes in in the in the in the Ubermensch. And Captain America is the Ubermensch for him and um I think he wants him on the side. I think he wants to convert him. It, may, it would make sense for that character. It would make sense. I think there's not enough dare to support that theory. That's kind of like where I had to like infer myself and this is another part of why I think the third act is like is the weakest part of this whole thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't get enough of the motivation behind why Red Skull is is keeping Cap around. Um, one thing I was thinking though during the scene, a lot of people get vaporized, <laughs> but uh, we kind of we kind of backslide into like several cliches in this third act. Um, uh, essentially, Red Skull Red Skull dies by hubris, <laughs> like by like I guess overconfidence. Um, does it, he's another like death by. Does he like? Does is it death by gravity? We have to find. We have to find a way for him to kill himself so that Captain America's moralness doesn't get sullied by murdering. And this is the problem with the third act because it's utterly forgettable. Honestly, I have no idea what happens in the showdown. Basically, because I felt I felt bad about this at first and thought I have to rewatch it to to just take notes. And then I said no. That is exactly the point I'm trying to make. Uh, this movie that I love very dearly lost me. There's a car chase. They're trying to get like to Red Skull's like plane or something. Because we have this cliche of the rocket car that like swerves just short of like going off a cliff with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Agent Carter in there. Um... And and Cap somehow gets to Red Skull, and we have like a mm, sabotage the plane. Oh yeah, no, this is it. He takes down he takes down Red Skull, but Red Skull basically like nukes himself. Um, and then we have uh, Cap's got to take the plane down, and he's talking to Agent Carter. Um, and we're supposed to have this like heart wrenching moment. But we've already seen in the beginning of the movie. This is why the bookend doesn't work for me, because if in the beginning of the movie we know he's just un, he's frozen caveman lawyer. We just got to get him back out. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're we're calling back to that. But we're supposed to be having this emotional moment because she's talking to him as the plane is going down. Um, he's trying to save New York. Like they had like uh, the 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 MacGuffin bomb. Is in is in the is in the bowels of the of the plane, or there's multiple MacGuffin bombs. He was gonna bomb all all of the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, so Cap's got to take the plane down in order to save the Eastern Seaboard. Um, I will say I did shed a tear for our for our good Steve going down with that ship. Um, I mean, they 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 set it up real nicely with with the date. We'll talk about having a week later, and I think that works kind of all right. It does work, and it was emotional. I, I was invested. Um, and I didn't expect it, especially because I didn't really like the third act very much. But that little moment, that got me. I just, I, I had a couple of, you know, like that single tear moment. I had one of those. I was like, oh. I, 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 was, I felt myself uninterested in the resolution other than um, the emotional weight of uh, Steve sacrificing himself. Like, I didn't particularly care. Like, you know that Red Skull's gonna either die or, like, be vanquished in some way in the end. Um, so I wasn't really invested in the resolution of that. 
Um, and especially once you see the planes going down, you're like, oh, this is how we get back to the beginning of the movie. Um, and then we, we, uh, I, we have like a small scene, I think. And then we just, uh, with uh, Agent Carter, um, kind of accepting that Steve is gone and we go straight into credits. So we're used to, I think in, in 2018, the post-credit scene either has nothing to do with the, the movie that you just watched. Um, or has very little bearing on plot. Um, so what shocked me about this, it's a full trailer for the Avengers. It is like fully formed. Um, and I was, it has like, uh, it has text, uh, coming at you. Like this is, this is not normal anymore for Marvel movie post-credits scenes at all. Um, and it was very jarring. I was like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> What's going on? Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? So, having having seen Captain America for the first time proper, how did you like it? I really liked it. Um, like I said, I think it, it falls apart in the third act for me a little bit. Um, but I don't think that that impacted my overall enjoyment of the movie. I do wish the kind of big bad was a little more complex than it ended up being. But, uh, and I also wish that we got more time to know, uh, Steve Rogers before he gets, uh, ubermenched. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more characterization, but... Overall, I was surprised at how well, especially the first two thirds of the movie really held my attention and how endearing, I think before, um, in the pre-show podcast, uh, I talked about how I, I didn't really understand Steve Rogers as a character because he just comes across similar to, um, Superman as kind of, uh, just amazing, perfect guy. And I think some of that is certainly present here. But I was surprised at how much I like Steve Rogers as a character and how endearing he is, uh, despite having, uh, you know, somewhat uh, not, not being characterized as much as I would like. And I, I officially understand uh, Stucky as a ship. That is a ship that I'm getting on board. <laughs> I'll take, I'm getting on, on the ship now. I'm ready for the next movie. I want more of it. Um, and I, I think the reason I always wanted to watch this movie is because I know that that relationship is full of all kinds of complex angst in the next movie. And I can't wait. I am a glutton for Stucky angst now. I need more. Yeah, you know, um, Bucky goes full on emo in the next movie. Oh, I'm so ready. I can't wait. He also gets frozen, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get frozen. <laughs> for, so this movie, how did it hold up for you? Did it, uh, do you remember it as fondly, like seeing it again? Did it uh, exceed your expectations from, you know, the, the viewing from a long time ago? or? It did and it did not. Um, I think I, um, interestingly, uh, what I, I always liked it for its, for its uh, simplicity and uh, how it pits Captain Angelic Beefcake um, uh, against the super evil Nazi Übermensch. Um, and that's the kind of 
that's the part that really holds up the least for me. Yeah. Really, the confrontation is kind of wishy-washy. I wish it had more meat to it. Like, it had more ideologically going on. Um, and or, like, there was more of a personal conflict between the two of them. There's just, like, not a whole lot there. It would, be, it would have been a, a lot more fun if there was... Um, if Schmidt had been, in effect, jealous of uh, Captain America's ubermenschiness. Or, or like, yeah, like, trying more to convert him over... Um, and have more of a compelling argument for that. And maybe have that the conflict of the movie. Like, um, maybe him even threatening to succeed. Right. Like, the, the thought of having Captain America as one of the baddies is frightening. It's terrifying. Oh, yeah, of course. Terrifying. And I think uh, that's what makes Magneto and his argument much more compelling to me. Um it's that, well, and then there's the added aspect that, uh, you know, mutants in the X-Men universe are persecuted uh, in a way that, you know, Captain America is not. Uh, I, like, I like that argument more because it makes sense. And it, it also causes conflicts amongst characters. Um, and you have X-Men characters kind of shifting sides all the time. Um, because that argument is, is often compelling and or some kind of inciting incident causes them to go over to Magneto's side of things. Um, so I, w I wanted a little bit more of that. Um, but yeah, overall I was impressed, especially because it's a movie I've tried to watch several times. Yeah, do, you have, uh, do you know um, what lost you the, those first few times? Uh, I think it was the bookends. Um, I remember like starting the film um, and watching the beginning of it and it, it just doesn't I, I really do think that the bookends hurt the movie more than they help because it just takes everything to a screeching halt <laughs> um i would have much preferred if we got rid of finding the plane in the opening scene and we just went straight to to steve um or we went straight to the first scene where red skull's trying to you know bulldoze into that norwegian castle um, to start everything off. I wish I, I wish we didn't have to flash back. Um, we could flash forward at the end. I think that would be fine. Um, or even just like flash forward in the post credit scene. Um, but I don't think the bookends help. Everything, the whole plot just like literally comes to a halt. And I, I don't particularly care for it. I don't think it's necessary. You could have cut out... 15 to 20 minutes of this movie and I don't think it would have changed very much. And I, I think keeping in mind that this is only the second movie in the MCU, so this is like, you know, very early and it wasn't quite clear whether or not this whole universe was really going to take off. And then keeping in mind... It's a third, but yeah, the point stands. Well, Iron Man 2 came out before this? I would be surprised. Uh, Thor, Thor and Iron Man came before that. Let's double check this while we we have access to the internet we can find this out maybe even let me let me think maybe even iron man 2 oh my god so iron man comes first in 2008 incredible hulk again 2008 iron man 2 iron man 2 comes out in 2010 thor comes out in 2011 and captain america is actually the fifth in the the fifth movie because we had to introduce all those characters, right? That makes sense. But still, incredible to see. This is phase one. 
So this is still a phase one movie and it's an origin story. And I think keeping those two things in mind, I think it works a lot better than I expected it to. Um, how is the dub? I want to know. Is this a yay or a nay dub? It's a dub, so it's a nay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's okay. This is going to be right for me because, as I said, I haven't seen... I've, I've, maybe over the last 10 years, I've seen two or three dub movies in total. I mean, German dubs in general are quite okay. So if you're going to... If you, Gonna be live in a country that's stuck with dubs. Germany is a good choice, but dubs in general have some problems that I can't overcome. They tend to sound very sterile. Translators can translate for shit. They apparently don't know prioritize differently how people use tenses in different languages. As Harrison Ford famously um, said to George Lucas uh, in, a, in a line reading, "Nobody talks like that, George." <laughs> um, you were kind of right, um, but that's the, that's the general problem I have with dubs, and that's that's obviously true of that one as well. So it's very very clinical and it's very weirdly translated. So nobody talks in a way that uh, actual people would, and it has little problems um, that are specific to an American movie that features German German characters because uh, you don't get any accents. That's especially apparent with, um, I think, with, um, uh, uh, with Stanley Tucci's character. Right. I think the dub seems to fail mostly because of the the context clues uh, and 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 the history. It's a it's a strange juxtaposition to have. At least the examples that we've talked about so far. Um, I would I would expect that. Uh, while dubs will always have their problems, this movie in particular has some very specific problems. Which makes it in part more scary, I think. But yeah, that, um, that's kind of the dub. Um, I'm actually looking forward to look to uh, watching more of this, more of these, because um, I like I like picking these things apart where a dub fails and why it probably might have not stood a chance in the first place. Because let's be fair, there are things that are untranslatable here. Um, I don't think they had any other choice than uh, to do the propaganda scene the way they did. Gotta gotta get better dubs, Germany. Come on. Yeah. Or no dubs at all, which is my personal campaign. Or just yeah, just go for go for subtitles. I mean, that's that's what a lot of uh, smaller European countries do. Um, it, as as a kid. Um, the Netherlands they had they go the subtitle route and it was paradise for me as, as a kid. This is where I first saw or heard what Han Solo and Luke Skywalker actually sound like. It was amazing. It was amazing. I was blown away how much um like Harrison, how much Harrison Ford sounds like he has several bubble jumps stuck in his mouth. <laughs> I was really surprised at that. Um Oh wow, that must have been crazy. That's actually in, in Europe there's um a style associated with that. It's called mumblecore. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've, I've heard of mumblecore. I don't know if I would call Harrison Ford mumblecore, but he's pro. He's proto mumblecore. <laughs> proto mumblecore. <laughs> also proto rapey mumblecore, but that's another discussion. Well, that's that's another discussion for sure. The next if we ever get on the Harrison Ford kick, we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, um. 
we have to come clean and uh, and say we do have no idea how to end an episode. No, I don't think we do. <laughs> I think we often just love talking, and so it doesn't really ever seem to have an end point. Yeah, and and we don't have a drunk Shimoda in any capacity. So uh, basically, this is the point where at least we uh, we have some kind of structure that hopefully makes sense to anyone who's not us. Do we do we want to do like a rating system? Like we we end with a score? No way. No, no, I hate those. I really hate those. Uh, I hate scores. Yeah, I don't, it just doesn't feel particularly our style. Well, for the moment, we can just acknowledge that we have no idea how to end the show, and if anyone has a better idea, then yeah, please, please, please tell us. Because um, I have no idea. Look, I'm sorry about that little show back there.